Welcome back to another installment of Game Club, the show where we justify the games and the games and junk. I'm your host, John Lucero. Joining me today, as always, are Vanessa Cahill and Jason Ariola. And today, guys, we are talking about 1994's classic Super Metroid, a game the same age as myself. Uh, <laughs> I'll fuck right off with that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't think this game, for, for people that would probably be listening to this podcast, needs much of an introduction, uh, but Jason, you were the one that picked it for this month, our October special, and it's kind of, you know, it's not quite a horror game, but it also is sort of a horror game. It's kind of, it, depending on your definition of horror, I guess. Um, so Jason, why did you pick Super Metroid in particular? Well, when we were talking about getting the game club kind of uh, back up and running, I wanted us to do things that were a little bit more manageable for me to actually play because, you know, on top of uh, this podcast, I edit three other podcasts and host uh, those three other podcasts, too. So uh, time constraints can be a little little rough for me. So I was thinking, oh, what's a game that I know is good, I know will enjoy, there's a lot to talk about. And is also something that can be beaten within like 10 hours or so. And Super Metroid popped up because it's on the uh, Switch uh, online thing or whatever with the Super Nintendo yeah. stuff. So I thought like, ah, hell, Super Metroid, why not throw it out there? And then come to find out neither of you had beaten it prior to this. Yeah, it was one of the one of the big gaps in my like classic gaming history is I've never beaten Super Metroid. So this, was, this was a treat. It was a treat. As opposed <laughs> to our last one, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, I... I'm filled with regret still. <laughs> Again, I will say I enjoyed doing the research on that. That was a lot of fun for me. I don't know if you guys enjoyed hearing me ramble for, I think it was like 20 minutes about how much stuff I dug up about those, um, what was it, like four games all total? Yeah, I mean, it probably was more than those games deserved, but they, they were, <laughs> it, was a, it was fun. I like I enjoy listening to all the information, so. I like it when you ramble. <laughs> Uh, well, that's so just do our me fans, talking. Probably <laughs> we've got <laughs> listeners. So, and since I host most of these and talk probably the majority out of the three of us, uh, yeah, I would imagine. I hope somebody enjoys listening to me ramble. Yep. So, speaking of rambling, uh, we are going. Jason's <laughs> going to put on his lab coat really quick, and he, or actually, I have no <laughs> idea how long it's going to take. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's John, gonna give John, us some the lab coat never comes off, and just plain interesting facts. Jason, hit us with those facts. <laughs> actually, um. Before we do that, did you guys play this prior to this, or? Mm-mm. Never... Uh, yeah, I, I, I had played a couple hours here and there of this game. I never got super deep into it. Oh, okay. Wow. Vanessa, I'm actually really surprised you hadn't played this one. This is one I would have Yeah, right I hadn't played this one at all. Like, I played, um, I played like, mm, I guess, normal Metroid um, briefly, and then the only game I, the only Metroid game I've come close to completing is Metroid Prime, but then I played like you know up to 75%, and I Walked away for like two months, came back, was like, nope. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, I no. don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's the unfortunate part of a lot of these uh, um, Metroid games is if you come into them and then kind of come back to them, and you're like, oh, what was I doing? I don't know. Ah, oh, the hell with it. I'm done. Yeah, this makes this makes Metroid Prime make so much more sense about like why it's so vast and giant. Like, oh, they expect you to go get a thing and then come back to a, an area and then use your thing to go to a new area. Yeah, they really like, not. Not very linear. <laughs> yeah, they really did do a good job of capturing the mm-hmm. it in the 3D game. So, um, but yeah, uh, I play. I've probably gotten past the plant boss a couple times. Really, as far about as far as I get into it, like an hour into the game, um, and I like it. I just kind of fall off it and never get back to it. Yeah, I was wondering why you hadn't gotten like past that kind of because that seems like oh, once you get there, it's either you're sort of in or just like eh, maybe I'm not digging this game. 
I think mm-hmm. I just kind of put it down and, mm-hmm. and uh, just didn't get, didn't, never get back to it. Bring it back to Jason. All right, push up my glasses here as I uh, get my documents and everything together. And so, uh, Super Metroid originally came out in Japan March nineteenth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, North America April eighteenth, nineteen ninety four, and Europe July twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four. Thankfully, I think it's just a lot of it has to do with the let's say lack of things you have to localize that kind of got this thing out the door uh, in multiple regions so quickly for the time whereas a lot of games that need you know a little bit more in-depth translations um it normally would take sometimes a year sometimes longer to get them out the door but you know just having this come out like literally like a month later in north america was like oh okay cool all we had to do is have a gotta forget the guys dan dan something that uh, says the last metroid is in captivity the galaxy is at peace it's uh there's like three paragraphs in this game where the writing so. yeah yeah there's really really nothing there so um as far as keeping this game on the market and available i think nintendo's done a very good job of that this has been basically put out on every platform that Nintendo's had Super Nintendo emulation available on. It was on the Wii Virtual Console, the Wii U's, the new 3DS, the Switch Online service, and the Super NES Classic Edition, um, which is kind of nice that they've made this thing available for everyone to play still at a reasonable, I guess, cost of entry. The unfortunate thing is they seem to recognize the importance of this game, uh, but continue to sort of just leave Metroid in a weird thing where no Metroid game has come out in a very, very long time. Yeah, was the the 2 remake the last Metroid game that came out? Yeah, and that wasn't even Nintendo developed. Um, That was, oh god, what is it? The studio that did Lords of Shadow, I think, is actually the one that remade that. Oh, um, the, uh, god, I can't remember their name, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, they were the ones who did that, so... (laughs) As far as uh, Super Metroid's development goes, since that's what we're talking about here, the development was handled by Nintendo R&D 1 and with Intelligent Systems aiding with the programming. Now, Nintendo R&D 1 is sort of the oddball group out of the formerly the main two development studios in Nintendo, uh, the main one being uh, Nintendo EAD. 
All the internal studios have since been kind of consolidated into one group. R&D's more prominent games that they're responsible for are all of, all of the Metroid games, save Prime, so all the 2D Metroid games. Both Super Mario Land games, the Wario Land series, the first four WarioWare games, and wow. one of the lesser known of their oddities is a Famicom game called Joy Mecha Fight, which is a 2D fighter uh, that has disembodied balls making up the characters. They'd have a ball for their body, a head, and one for each, kind of the end of each of their limbs, representing okay. their hands and their feet. It's kind of an odd one that showed the creativity of R&D 1 working within the limitations of the Famicom and how good they are at that. So it's like a Vector Man fighting style fighting game? Um, yeah. No. Are you familiar with balls? Yes, I yes. am familiar with balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And balls 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's basically what we're looking at here is something like that, but not quite as... Um, I don't want to say gimmicky because it's still pretty gimmicky, but it's kind of like, a oh, wow, how the hell do they pull this shit off on the NES, you know? Intelligent Systems, the studio, as I mentioned, that had worked on um, some of the programming with them, is a studio that's still around, most recently having worked on Paper Mario, The Origami King, and Fire Emblem, The Three Houses. They're probably best known as being the makers of Fire Emblem and the... We know it as the Advance War series that started off in the Famicom, so it was Famicom Wars, Game Boy Wars, I believe, and then, you know, on to the Game Boy Advance Wars, um, and Paper Mario. They're also responsible for three of the better-known games for the Super Scope, since we're kind of talking about uh, Super Nintendo stuff here, uh, having worked on Super Scope 6, Battle Clash, and its sequel, Metal Clash, Falcon's Revenge. They've also worked on quite a few puzzle games over the years, uh, paneled upon, uh, known as Tetris Attack in uh, North America, Pokemon Puzzle League, your favorite, Vanessa. Yes. <laughs> and the Pushmo series that debuted on the 3DS and has since gone on to the, I think there's one on the Wii U. Or yeah, there is one on the Wii U, and I think one has made its way over onto the Switch. I don't know off the top of my head. That's a bad, bad research on my part there. <laughs> there probably is one. There's so many games on the Switch. Uh, yeah. Uh, they also have uh, kind of taken over the reins of WarioWare from R&D 1 after Touched was released. So from there, basically, WarioWare has been intelligent systems developed. So that that's the little history on the development there. If you guys want to get into the actual people that have worked on this game, we can go ahead and do that now. Yeah, I think, I think we're ready for that. Yep. All right, so Yoshio Sakamoto was the person who directed and wrote the script, story, whatever you want to call it, uh, for Super Metroid. Uh, Sakamoto started working at Nintendo in 1982, the year I was born, so there. Uh, he was the designer on Wrecking Crew, Balloon Fight, and Gumshoe, a light gun platformer for the NES, which I had to look up because I did not understand how it worked. And even watching a video of it, I'm still not 100% sure how it works. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we come to you for, Jason. Yep, that's what I'm here for, baby. <laughs> All right. He was a character designer on the original Metroid and one of the game designers on Kid Icarus. Sakamoto would also go on to work on most of the other Metroid games, having wrote and directed Metroid Fusion, Zero Mission, and Other M, and would be the producer of the remake of Metroid 2, Metroid Samus Returns. He is still with Nintendo today, acting as a senior officer at Nintendo Entertainment Planning Development Division, uh, or just Nintendo EPD. So somehow this guy is still around. I mean, this guy's career is as long as I've been alive with the same company. So that's wow. something. That's that cra crazy. Really something. <laughs> Makoto Kano was the producer for Super Metroid. He started working for Nintendo in 1974. 
designing toys and board <laughs> games for them, and eventually becoming one of the lead designers on the Game & Watch series, and then uh, moving on to one of the more heavily involved staff members in R&D 1. We can largely thank him for Super Metroid, as he was the concept designer on the original Metroid, as well as Famicom Wars and Kid Icarus. This is only one of three games he served as the producer on, the others being Mario and Wario, a side-scrolling puzzle game where Wario is thrown a bucket on Mario's head, and you have to guide Mario to safety using the Super Nintendo mouse. What? <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, anyway. Um, Why didn't we play that game instead? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it does require the, uh, the, the mouse, so... <laughs> you don't have one of those, Jason? Yeah, uh, yeah, you probably do, don't No, I Jason don't, probably actually. does have one of these. No, don't, I don't. don't. Tempt him. No, no. Now you're making me feel guilty that I don't, and I might have to go get one, you son of a bitch. No, what is that? That's not how that works, Jason. What do you mean? Feel guilty anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, and the other game he produced was... Uh, oh, boy. This is a lot of Japanese here, so just bear with me a second. It's uh, Keru no Tame ni Kane wa Naru, which is translated as For the Frog the Bell Tolls, or For Whom the Frog Bell Tolls. A mm. game that served as a bit of an inspiration for Link's Awakening, uh, so much so that one of the main characters, Prince Richard, uh, makes an appearance in Link's Awakening. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So if you played Link's Awakening and you happen across the guy who's got a bunch of frogs running around in his <laughs> cabin and his name is Prince Richard and he's been basically exiled from that castle that you have to go into, that's where he's from. He's one of the main characters from For Whom the Frog Bell Tolls. That's a great name. That is a really good name. It's it's something. It's like goddamn mouthful is what it is. Anyway, uh, he is still employed with Nintendo, uh, near as I can tell, but doesn't seem to be involved in game development anymore as his credits sort of had dried up. So onto the uh, sound design here, which was worked on by Kenji Yamamoto and Minako Hamano. Hamano was strictly a composer on Super Metroid, having composed 10 tracks out of the 35, I believe, with some of them being rearrangements of tracks previously composed by Yamamoto and Hip Tanaka. Hamano joined Nintendo in 1991, with her first work being one of the composers on Link's Awakening. Uh, hell of a start, if you ask me, because that is one of the better Zelda soundtracks, I feel. It's a really good one. It's probably it's definitely up there. Yeah. The other Metroid games she worked on were Metroid Fusion, Zero Mission, and Prime 3 Corruption. She would work on a ton of other Nintendo titles over the years as well. Currently, she mostly does sound coordination for Nintendo games that are developed outside of Nintendo itself, the most recent ones being Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE and Mario Tennis Ultra Smash for the Wii U. A little bit of an odd bit of trivia I uncovered here. In the original design of Samus dying in Super Metroid, she would be naked and scream. Hamano originally voiced that scream, but apparently it was taken out uh, because it sounded too sexual. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it's probably for the best, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, guys, I love video games. <laughs> All right. And as far as Kenji Yamamoto, I do want to go ahead and say this is not the Kenji Yamamoto who worked on some of the Dragon Ball Z soundtracks, um, who has been... S- let's say shunned in disgrace for uh, plagiarism. 
I thought it was the same guy. Turns out there are two Kenji Yamamoto's who compose video game music. Well, there's one now because the other one doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> Did we any... talk about that? Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. That was the thing I was going to mention that um, in this. And then I looked him up and I was like, oh, there's two of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now, now you mentioned the Dragon Ball thing. I feel like we talked about that on one of the, on the old podcast at one point. I feel like that was relatively recently where that It where was that in happened. the last like three to four years, maybe at, at the yeah. like, absolute latest, I think. And then it probably came up at some point. Yeah. Just because yeah. how much I talk about video game music. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, I love Dragon Ball. So. <laughs> yeah, true, true. All right. Yamamoto handled the sound design. So sound effects and stuff like that while also working on the music itself. He started working with Nintendo in 1986 with his first credit being one of the composers on Mike Tyson's punch out with two exclamation points. Make sure you get that in there. He's worked on more than a few other titles for Nintendo, but he's largely known as the main composer for the Metroid series, saying he intends to continue working on the series in the future, which, uh, vague, but thanks, so. It'll happen. <sighs> the game is coming out. I yeah. can't reserve for over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, <laughs> it'll totally come out for the Switch 2. It's got a title. <laughs> it's got a, it's got Metroid, a screenshot Metroid of a 4? title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, they can't possibly change. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so uh, he's worked on Super Metroid Fusion as the sound director, Zero Mission, Prime, 1, 2, 3, and Pinball, and Samus Returns as the music director. So that is the staff as far as Super Metroid goes. I got a little, a couple other things here as far as like trivia goes. Uh, Super Metroid got a big push in the 57th issue of Nintendo Power for five issues, starting um, a comic that was illustrated by Benimaro Itoi. Itoi would also make the Star Fox comic and a Mother 2 manga that was only published in Japan. Uh, Itoi currently works for HAL, with his most recent credit being on Kirby's Star Allies as a guest illustrator, so obviously he's still around. The comic would introduce Samus' parents, Rodney and Virginia Aaron. <laughs> yes, Rodney and Virginia named Rodney. their child Samus. <laughs> it also introduced Gosh. the idea that Samus was injected with Chozo DNA as well, um... Also would be the first and last appearance of Armstrong Houston, the person I always just assumed was the dead body uh, that you find early in the game. Mm. So that's as I take my lab coat off and take my glasses off and um, put my uh, Piplop hat on again, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that's what <laughs> is, you do. It's what you're always wearing. Yes, you're pretty much. Uh, is uh, all of the info as far as the main people who worked on it and the development studios. Wow. That was both uh, educational and uh, succinct. At the yeah, same time. that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> We're not surprised. Well, yeah, well done, Jason. <laughs> succinct. Is, like, is, do, do you know PhD, what that PhD. means? Yep. <laughs> By succinct, I mean you said it all really quickly. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I, I'll take that. <laughs> so uh, I guess with that, if uh, unless Vanessa has any questions for Jason's uh, myriad of facts he just, he just laid out for us. No, it's was, it was so wonderful. I'm so knowledgeable now. <laughs> <laughs> the floor is not open for questions. The lab coat and glasses have been taken off, so I'm sorry there is no questions. Oh, <laughs> pardon me. Sorry, I didn't, uh, I didn't mean to disrespect.
So yeah, I guess uh, with that, let's get into uh, the actual game of Super Metroid and our thoughts on it. Uh, I, w- I guess I'll open it up here with I underestimated how big and not well not being a big Metroid, Super Metroid is not a large game. It's not a very long game, but it's very dense. Yes, like there is a lot to do in uh, Zebes, right? Zebes, Zebes, Zebes. I forget how to say. I don't. I have heard it multiple ways. Whatever floats your boat, man. Yeah, yeah. Zebes. Uh, there are it is just packed to the brim with secrets both ones you have to find to complete the game and ones that you don't need to find and I yeah, guess I don't know how you could ever do all this without a walkthrough <laughs> there, it's a lot there child, are, child patience that's how you got that I mean, they give you the x-ray thing at part way of the game that probably helped a lot of people that were finding that kind of shit in the, uh, for walkthroughs and stuff I or have... not just completing the game I have many memories of doing just that. As soon as I got that extra thing, I was like, oh, hell yeah. While well, I was playing this on my Super Nintendo back in the day. Like, yeah, and yeah. Then just going through every goddamn room in the game to see if I missed something. <laughs> and it's usually did because <laughs> uh, there's yeah. so many. And I guess that's always been my one of my favorite aspects and a lot of people's favorite aspects of uh, Jason. What do you like to say? Exploratory platformers? Yes, I, yes, I would, yeah. because the, this this game predates the term Metroidvania. So <laughs> it's just Metroid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is no Vania at this point. Uh, and in exploratory platformers, just how much they pack into a, a, a specific area for you to just like become immersed in and master. And that's, and I mean, and it's, it's a lot of my favorite games ever are the, in this genre. I mean, from arc games, even, even in 3d from arc, like, like Arkham Asylum and Metroid prime, which is, you know, just another Metroid game. But, uh, yeah, I guess I, I had always knew this game was kind of short, and I still, and I felt like it would be a little more. I don't. I don't want to say primitive necessarily because it's it's basically the first one. I mean, of its kind. Like there had the the, the previous two Metroids, but this one kind of really nailed the, the formula from what I understand. Jason probably can answer that more uh, accurately than I could. Yeah, it's just it's there's <laughs> so much in this game. Holy God! Yep. And and I don't have a master like I do Symphony, so it was it was a it was. It was a surprising experience, I would say. Um, Jason, you, you've, how many times have you, pl- have you completed Super Metroid? Um, I would say bare minimum four. Four? And yeah. That was pretty recently, too, wasn't it, when you played it for the first time? Like, in the grand scheme of things? Um, as far as, like, completing it for the first time, I would say it was in the last ten years. I played it a lot on the Super Nintendo. It was just not one I ever bought. It was just a rental I got constantly. And I would kind of plug my way through it. And then, of course, somebody would wipe my save out um, the next time I would rent it and I'd have to start all over again. But so, yeah, I, I really never got around to finishing Super Metroid until I was in you know my mid 20s, basically. Do you think the that sense of discovery maintains itself in later playthroughs? Because, I mean, I, I assume it would. But what is your opinion on all that stuff? Yes, the I, I want to say I kind of wear a little thin on it as the further I get into the game, because it kind of starts feeling a little like. I don't want to mm-hmm. say like, okay, uh, hitting basically bullet points if, as far as it goes, like once you've beaten it once or twice or four times, it just starts kind of feeling a little, not rote, because I, I don't want to dismiss Super Metroid in that sense. But as just my opinion, like I, I don't feel like this is something like I want to play on a very regular basis. Maybe once every five years, I don't mind doing it, but even every three years, I don't mind doing it, but 
it, uh, this this time I actually did kind of check out about two thirds of the way through the game and just ended up watching a playthrough to make sure I had myself like completely refreshed on it. But that like the first I'd say two or three hours, like I am just amazed at how into that game I get every single time I start it. It's just as it sort of keeps opening up and opening up, I start to feel a little it's not overwhelmed necessarily, but just like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of shit in this game. Yes, there are. And I feel like because the rewards are at the end of the day, there's only so many different things I can give you in the game. Mm-hmm. It kind of kind of takes away that sense of like, oh, hey, yeah, I found another missile pack. And uh, it's uh, I don't know. I feel the uh, upgrades are a little uh, slight, I guess, compared to what other ga- later games in this genre will be. Even Symphony, which I know a lot of the weapons end up being pretty useless in that game after a while. I mean, John, uh, there is a set of boots in there that do nothing but add an extra pixel to your height. And it's great, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, there's a lot of frivolous items in Symphony of the Night, and I'm all for yes, it. Yes, yeah. It's, and uh, I, also, Zeebs is really cool. I just feel like the areas aren't as distinct as later games in the, in this genre are. You know, they, they, don't, mm. they aren't quite as memorable as, like, the castle or even, like, a recent one, like, Hollow Knight is... Uh, a really good recent example of these kind of games. I think it's the RPG aspect that I kind of miss from uh, that they added afterwards. You know, this. Yeah. Is, uh, what do you What do you think, Vanessa? Have you played Have you played a lot of games like this before? Um, no, I really liked it. <laughs> but I agree that everything kind of felt the same. So it'd be like, oh man, I got to go back to like, I don't know, whatever world. It's like, well, how did I get here? And what does that one look like? Is that the one with the fire? <laughs> Yeah, it's not as easy. I felt I felt myself getting lost a little more easily than I mm-hmm. than, than I thought I would after from, from how much you run around that game. I feel like I, I thought I would have got a little more used to it. Yeah, and what sucks is that like they don't have like the layered map effect, so you can't like unless unless I didn't know and I made it so much harder myself. But you know you can't like um, okay, I'm on you know the map of the world I'm on, but now I want to see the map of the world above me so that I can like know where i want to get if that makes sense which most Mm -hmm. games let you go through like um layers in a map but this one unless i'm really mistaken and i made it really hard for myself i don't believe it did that (laughs) no i had the same i had the same issue where i would i would like to just be able to cycle through like you said and just like okay where do i want to go i want to go here what's the best path to get there because there's multiple entrances to a lot of the places too from different angles of it yeah it would have been nice if the map was also like um i guess designed a little bit better so that you would know like oh that's actually a wall not a door. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have liked, you know, some color coding for some of the doors you could you could go back to that they but yeah. it, it, it's also hard to be to be I say that about this kind of game because it, it is the first one basically. So it's hard I don't like I don't want to be too hard on it for that kind of stuff because that was just iterated that's been iterated upon again and again. So we're just uh, spoiled. <laughs> I mean, you got to give it credit for all the things it nailed immediately, which is pretty impressive i mean the environmental storytelling is pretty damn cool in this game Mm -hmm. it's like uh, like the amount of things you understand about this world and the story in the game without really it ever telling you anything but the opening is uh to its credit you get the whole idea of these space pirates trying to experiment on these metroids and it going very very wrong very quickly for them so i liked that aspect a lot and then i guess there is the baby metroid thing which isn't that from Metroid Two? Isn't that the whole thing yes. with the? Yeah, I, I did not. I had not finished those either of those games before, so I didn't have the. Uh, I would not have had the context if I hadn't heard about it prior. I just would have been like, oh, this Metroid's my friend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, to make you feel better, I actually never finished Metroid Two either because 
honestly, it's a little hard to go back to because it was one of those games that in the early days of the Game Boy, it was impressive to look at, but Samus' sprite is so big, you can barely really get a sense of the world in there. And I think it would have been better if they scaled her down a little bit. It really kind of hurt, like, I, I, the combat, I suppose, which is a big, big thing in mm-hmm. Metroid 2 because you are hunting every single Metroid, basically, and they take different forms and stuff. This was rectified in uh, AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake, and that is the first and only time I have finished um, any iteration of Metroid 2. And that version, you know, it's still around on the internet, but it's been taken down officially. But that's kind of the way to play Metroid 2, I feel. I remember that came out. I wish I, I wish I had gotten a chance to play it, but I did not. So I've still got the file. So, <laughs> so everyone that did loved it. speaking of like your size on metroid 2 i how do you guys feel about the platforming in this game it's, it's a rather large part of this game in some in some ways you know there's a lot of but how do you feel about some of the like the finer platforming in this game does it work for you i found it to be okay like i, I was really happy that you can rewind um <laughs> that is a nice, that's a nice feature of, the, of playing uh-huh. on switch is being able to right because sometimes you're just like stuck like uh, i remember i was trying to like jump up um there's like quicksand on the bottom and if you fall on the quicksand it's like i'll set up in the butt yeah. i just want to go through this hole in the top of the room <laughs> so it's nice to be able to continuously like um if i or if i like uh i was trying to get up to this place and then wall jump i can't wall jump i never mastered that so i'm like trying to wall jump up this stupid shaft and then i'd fall into the quicksand below every once in a while it's nice to be able just to rewind myself up back to the stupid shaft yeah, I never learned how to wall jump or what's the what's the bomb jump you can do like the special bomb jump. It's uh, I forget. I what didn't even know there was a special bomb jump. There's like a there's like a special bomb jump you can do also that I never learned how to do. I think I walled jumped on accident a couple times when I was spin jumping, <laughs> but yeah. uh, also spin jumping took me a while to master. Also, I had to sit in that room before you get to like the lava rising room, and mm-hmm. um, I had to go into like just a big room and spin jump for like 40 minutes before I was ready to get into that stupid lava room. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember like you, you have to like spin jump at an angle into one of the doors too to get the to get the plasma weapon with a plasma beam. Yeah. Uh, God, it's like <sighs> twenty minutes trying to do that because I just was not good at spin jumping, and I and I made the decision to not master it before I w- went further into the game. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my fault. Uh, but I, I figured I finally got decent at it. Um, I guess I should say space jump. It's the spin. It wasn't it's the spin jump when you get the other ability to. Uh, or the spin attack, or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, just the space jump. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, what are your opinions on the platforming in this game? I'm, I, if there's a weakness in Super Metroid, it is that it, the wall jump thing is a little too finicky. Even as a guy who's played it as much as I have, I still have a hard time with it. I still feel this game would do well with a remake in a sense, just for having more buttons to use because the Super Nintendo was lacking a little bit in the buttons. 
Yes. I, I feel like just two more shoulder buttons, throwing that on, like a like the ability to use those on the Switch even, like just mapping them to that, I think would be a huge help because flipping through the, uh, you know, scrolling mm. through the sub weapons yes. is a pain yes. in the ass. And they just they just keep adding on to uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and it's a real pain in the ass when you're like, all right, I'm done with the sub weapon. I don't know if you guys did this a lot, but you'd, uh, click over off of it, and you just use the next one in your in your thing because I was I'm so used to games just uh, you know when you you turning turning a thing on and off basically, mm-hmm. then I just rewind myself and save the ammo I just wasted. But uh, I did, I have to do do that quite a bit. Uh, pro tip: there's a cancel button. There is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, what do you mean a cancel button? It'll it'll just exit out of the out of your sub weapons. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. What yeah. yeah. button is that? <laughs> I also would oh, like to know about that. Um, I, mean, I, just, I, I would just, I would just cycle through till it wasn't, uh, till it wasn't selected yeah. anymore. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's kind of. I don't want to say it's buried, but it's a little buried in there. I, I go through and adjust the. Uh, I don't like the default scheme at all, so I'll go ahead and I'll uh, adjust it to the way I feel because I feel like B should be jump, Y should be shoot. This way, I can sort of, kind of finagle the two of them that way, and I think A might be what I said cancel as okay. so fancy. That, that sounds pretty great. I, I thought about changing the controls to, to what you just said, Jason, at least for the jumping and the shooting, but I mm. just kind of went with the diff, the default. I usually go with the default in games to, uh, and see if I can get used to it. Yeah. It, it probably would have been a little less finicky sometimes to do charge shots and jumping with, if I just flip to the, uh, buttons around in that in the combat is, uh, is good. is is fun. Most of the time it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot less frustrating than uh symphonies is cause there's no Castlevania knockback in yeah. uh, in Metroid, which is incredibly frustrating in that game. If you get stun locked multiple times by Medusa heads, but, um, <laughs> And this one, I just I feel like it's a little more forgiving. I think the hit detections could be a little better in terms of like or like the feedback could be a little better. Sometimes I didn't realize I was getting getting hit as much as I was, so that could have just been a me problem. Also, I should say I played it in handheld mode on the Switch. Was it not the ideal way to play? I guess the controls aren't the tightest on those uh, Joy Cons. Mm-hmm. So Switch Lite, baby. Yeah, I. I <laughs> yeah, I can't justify yeah. also buying a Switch Lite when I'm the only one that plays the Switch. Yeah, well, you know. My, my wife has one, and that fucking D pad's so much nicer. It, uh-huh. It's a D pad, first of all. It's just not, it's not buttons. Yeah, it's I not can't believe buttons. they made buttons. I know. It's just like, God, I have to use an analog stick and to play Super Metroid because the buttons are fucking worthless. My kingdom for a left Joy Con that you can just buy from Nintendo with a Nintendo D pad on it. Yes, yes. Don't they, they make the. Oh, I know they make the, the the SNES controller with some third party people do, right? The well, there is an official Super Nintendo controller um, that Nintendo put out, but it's very hard to get. I have the NES ones; they can attach onto the side like Joy-Con, which is kind of silly looking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it, are they comfortable? Are they like uh, it, I, I... the Super Nintendo one? They're legitimately just Super Nintendo controllers. They feel exactly like a Super Nintendo controller. Cool. So yeah, but they're a little pricey because I think they're uh, out of out of print, out of manufacturing. A Bitto does them. Yes, but A Bitto does make one. Um, I have one. The D pad isn't quite as precise as the Super Nintendo one. It is as it might be the closest facsimile to the Super Nintendo D pad I've ever felt, though. Okay. I have been through a lot of those uh, knockoff controllers in my time, and the Eight Bitto one is the first I would say is not a uh, piece of shit. So. <laughs> uh, I've considered getting getting it before, but I don't play enough 
Super Nintendo games often enough to, for me to justify it. Some, I feel like a lot of the games I end up playing are 3D games on the Switch yeah. in, in some way or, or, or another. Uh, even like Hollow Knight felt I think, pretty good, like good with an analog stick uh, as, a, as a 2D game. So it just comes with, you know, years and years of practice with an analog stick yeah. and des- development. Yeah. As soon as I start doing anything 2D, like with that, I have to have a D-pad. And that is why I have a uh, the little 8-bit-do um, Bluetooth dongle thing or whatever. And I will use a Wii U Pro Controller because that has a wonderful D-pad on it. My only complaint is that the... Uh, I wish the uh, sticks were concave instead of convex. But other than that, I love that controller. That D-pad is just Nintendo D-pad quality, unlike the Switch's Pro Controller, which that D-pad is... Hey, sometimes I'm just going to press up for you for no reason. Yeah, it's a bad D-pad. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's too it's it's too like thick of a D-pad. It needs it needs more give on it than it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there like is that. um, I I was mostly playing on my Switch Lite. I did throw it um, you know, thanks to the uh, cloud safe thing. I flipped it up onto my Switch, threw it on the TV, and used the you know the Wii U Pro controller for it there, and that felt wonderful because I. I had played it on the Wii U uh, virtual console because surprise, surprise, Jason has bought every uh, thing that this thing is available on and has bought Super <laughs> Super Metroid on everything it's available on as well, just because that's just how I roll. <laughs> so, yeah, I actually messed around with everything except the uh, Super Nintendo Classic. I and well and the Wii because I you know the Wii just doesn't work anymore but I did mess around with it on the 3DS 3DS feels really good with it too my biggest complaint and that cancel button I forgot I did map it to select I found it a lot easier to do that on the the Wii U Pro controller because there's not an analog stick in the way like there is on the on the Switch mm-hmm. so yeah but other than that I mean like I said I I feel like this has been a pretty good port it's just i do wish that there was a better d-pad or a d-pad option at all for the regular switch yeah me too jason me too <laughs> so, <laughs> there were so many times when i was playing like i was getting frustrated and i'm realizing like this game was not designed to be played the way i'm playing it right now i have to i have to get i have to <laughs> understand that because it's and it's nintendo's fault that this is happening mm-hmm. yeah, so i would literally pay like 40 or 50 dollars for a left joy con with a genuine d-pad <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I don't know whose idea it was that for the buttons, but we're, we're here now. I guess this yeah. is this is the, my reality. I mean, I understand it, the decision, because you know each one is supposed to be their own individual controller. But give us the option at a premium. I will fucking pay it. Do you know how many of us psychopaths will pay for that? <laughs> I yeah, because I guess because the other one you need buttons if it's a if it's a single Joy-Con, I guess mm-hmm. or certain stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I understand the decision, but also there's another decision you can make that would make you more money too, and there would be plenty of us who would be happy to do it. Yeah, you can email them, Jason, and be like, "Hello, consumer here, <laughs> please." <laughs> I will. I will DM uh, Jose Otero, who now works at Nintendo, and be promptly ignored <laughs> with that <laughs> with yeah, that right. idea. <laughs> hey, Jose, long time no talk, buddy. Hey, by the way, can you uh, can you pass it along? And pro- the best I'll probably get is you think you're the only one who's thought of that. <laughs> You're saying, like, I can the letter. Dear sir, thank you for your interest. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. It's like, this is a this is a form letter I'm getting on a Twitter DM. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Must get this a lot. Anyway. Oh, 
Well, uh, bring us back to Super Metroid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Real yeah, quick, I, I did. I did want to comment. Oh. I do think the jumping in Super Metroid is the biggest weakness as far as like the Very actual loose. mechanic goes. Oh, for sure. I sometimes like I swear I press the D pad far enough that I could do a spin jump, and then Samus decides, Nah, I'm not doing a spin jump. It's like, okay, thanks. I thought it was just me. Okay, no, <laughs> it, is, it is not it's just you. The worst, and then it's like, oh, now I'm dead <laughs> because yeah. I needed to do it the one time. And now I gotta re- now I have to rewind because I don't want to because I don't want to go back to the guy damn save point because yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, I missed a stupid jump yeah it's, oh and then it like some of the jumps are not designed for like the later like unlocks like e- like even the high jump early on there's there are jumps that you just can't do with that because it's you jump too high uh-huh. there's like a and I wish there was some way to you know cycle your, your stuff sometimes but I, I think that's you can turn it off yeah, I know. I know you can turn it off, yeah. but like it's just I don't want to have to go into the inventory constantly just to do like a single jump. That that's a little more frustrating. So uh-huh. I just kind of just kind of like brute force it essentially and take the damage. Yeah, the jump is pressure sensitive, but not enough that with when the high jump is activated, basically that I feel it really compensates well enough for that. Yeah. on the boss fights in the game there's a decent amount of them <laughs> i feel like mostly i was like flailing <laughs> <laughs> like all of the boss fights are like flailing and then like you know after so many times of dying I'm like how many super rockets does it take to yeah they, they do take some they ridley takes some fucking damage yeah oh God. yeah gosh yeah, yeah I, died, <laughs> I died a lot yeah ridley killed me a lot he was probably the most trouble easily the most trouble i had with the boss but yeah i it felt like the hitboxes on some of them were a little frustrating, and uh, just based because of because of your the fact you have to jump constantly and trying to maneuver at the same time, just control wise was a little a little funky, and a lot of them felt more bullet spongy than anything. If like, I felt like I wasn't really learning patterns as much as just tanking a lot of them. That was my complaint with Ridley. Is Ridley just feels like, do I have enough energy tanks to get through this fight? Yeah. yeah. And I watched a playthrough of it, and this dude had like twice the energy tanks I had. I'm like, man, I played this game incorrectly, apparently. So it's, no, uh, you just did not play this game enough, basically. Yeah, to have this uh, down. Yeah, he is really, really is rough, and because you don't have a lot of room to operate, and no. he's just constantly yeah. attacking you. Um, and if you don't have enough super missiles, it makes it even worse because the charge beam, while really good takes time and then you have to it's easy, harder to maneuver that and then the regular missiles are pretty much useless against him they are useless yeah i had a hard time with this like the fight the fight, i just died a lot and then i just felt like how many super missiles and i'm like oh now i'm out of super missiles and i'm like my charge me never hits yeah it's a yeah, i mean i do appreciate that they change the boss changes color over time you know to just to show you're doing damage to it that I, I like at least that but it still felt like it took forever um yeah. I like. I think my favorite fight, just like aesthetically, I guess, was the Crocomire fight. The yes. red cro- Yeah, the red crocodile you have to push back. 
oh, yeah. um, into the lava. The, that whole like sequence is really cool. Uh, as soon as you figure out what you're doing, <laughs> instead of just uh, wasting all your ammo on it and then wondering yep. why it's why it's still fine. <laughs> why won't this thing die? I think it's I think because doesn't it show you doing damage to it? Like doesn't it like uh, make the the flash whenever you hit it? Uh, yes, it even? does. Yeah, I think I think I feel like they could, that that might have been a, a uh, poor decision. Um, but I guess if you need that to tell that you're pushing it back still, but it's moving when you do it. So that's an indicator right there. Anyway, it's death is, is pretty, pretty cool. It's Terminator death. And then it's, and then the fake out it does, uh, afterwards as a skeleton lunges at you. Yeah. I'd say that was probably my favorite boss fight in the game. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's a cool one. It's, I think mechanic, I feel like it's the only one that's, mechanically unique as opposed to just dodging a bunch of projectiles or that stupid eel that's just swimming around constantly <laughs> yeah what was your guy's favorite section oh you know what? give me one I, I do want to kind of circle back to the boss thing real quick oh sorry sorry, sorry. Oh, no you're no you're fine so i feel like all of them fit into the game's atmosphere very well as far as like being creatures except that ghost thing <laughs> i don't know how that fit in that feel that kind of feels like they just sort of at the last minute had like hey you know maybe we should throw in one more boss and then just came up with a ghost i don't know what that thing was supposed to be yeah it's just kind of a big head too and it's not a it's not it's a pretty lame fight overall. it is yeah it so. definitely i want i, I want to say definitely the weakest of the boss fights but everything else felt like it would fit into the planet it fits into the the metroid universe where it's very you know real biological and then this thing is just like a ghost. It's like, wh- why am I suddenly fighting a ghost in this fucking game? It makes no goddamn sense. Well, you're on the ghost. You're on the the ghost ship, Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Which, is my, which is my, was my favorite section of the game. Like just aesthetically and music wise, I liked the uh, the wreck ship a lot. It was, um, and then trying to turn the power on. I, at least I like the section before you turn the power on, like that whole like exploring this derelict ship. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's probably my one of my at least one of my favorite moments. But yeah, and then you you fight this the weird floating head, and then it's kind of kind of lost me. And it wasn't a hard fight either. It was just one where you just kind of tank it. Yeah, and you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, most of the fights, like in this one in particular, they're just battles of attrition. Like again, mm-hmm. do you have enough energy tanks to get through this? Yeah. yeah. I think that's just a product. Of, I think that's just a product of the platforming, honestly, because it's just like fighting Kraid is a pain in the ass. Because you're know, trying to get back up. Because if you just get knocked back and you get back up, yeah, it's just kind of yeah. Vanessa, any more thoughts on the bosses? Um, I hated all of them. <laughs> I didn't hate all of them. Some of them were fine. I found them to be most frustrating, and like Jim can attest, because a lot of time I'm like, like you know, like not slamming my switch anywhere, but I'm like ah you know like lose my mind um or jumping with happiness when i finally beat them beat something and like i feel like it was always a surprise like i feel like uh, for me at least there's like no technique really it's just a, a big surprise to all of us that i beat a boss <laughs> <laughs> oh i did it look <laughs> no, it's dead and i feel like that's not how it should be for a video game <laughs> no no it, it would be nice to have some sort of better indication outside of the color changing a little bit but yeah <laughs> I was a little bummed out by the reuse of the Chozo statue or whatever those are called. Um, I think uh, having a, this, the gold one being a fight later on was oh yeah yeah it was kind of lame. Mm-hmm. I thought, and I did like the the puzzles built around like becoming a morph ball into the thing. I thought those were those were clever, I guess. But uh, in my opinion, 
any other boss things I want? I, I also, the end of the mother brain fight, you know, is pretty cool as a, like yeah. thematically and, uh, giving you the hyper beam after the Metroid sacrifices its life to, uh, to save you. Mother brain itself, kind of a stupid design in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting more. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, I think Redley should, Ridley should have been the final boss. But, you know, it's the 90s, so there had to be some final evil mutant Extreme monster. Thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. See, I was always okay with the original Mother Brain as far as that goes. But, yeah, just that final design of it is kind of like, oh, this is a little little tacked on. I think when I um, kind of played it to completion for the first time, you know, like 10 years ago or whatever it was, I was a little like, eh, this is, this is probably, probably, probably a little weak here. I it just, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Again, felt like a battle of attrition, and it just was like just this hideous. Like, it looked like the weird kid that sat, uh, you know, in the back corner of the classrooms. Uh, you know, what he's drawing on his notebook, basically, yeah. <laughs> or what he would like on his trapper keeper. Exactly, mechanical. Some, I mean, it was a John Romero would have drew, would have drew this in. Not even in high school, as an adult, John yeah. Romero would have drawn this. Would have drawn this yeah, so. Mother Brain in that form would have fit in very well in Doom. It's just the biomechanical terror looking yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah, do you guys have any favorite like sections that you love that just like they look cool you you or you like the atmosphere in them that really stuck out to you specifically? Or I like, I like the parts with like like okay, I both love and hate them. The parts with the fire, like the lava, um, mm-hmm. liked it because it's fun to have like oh I can't go in this room because I'll melt. Then later you're like oh I got the cool suit so now I can go in this room and I won't melt. Yeah. And then later to be like, oh, I could walk in this lava. And you're like, oh, this lava too. Nope, can't walk in that lava. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a little stupid. This is super <laughs> lava. I can't do this. This is that super lava. Yeah. <laughs> but I liked, I, I, liked, um, I liked the vibe of those areas. <laughs> but that was like definitely something like, oh, my health is dying? What? But I could walk in the other lava. <laughs> I, I think my favorite part of those lava areas is just the, the heat indication of just the waves in the, in the background there. I just, I really dig that. Mm-hmm. And it immediately tells you how hot it is in that area. Yeah, so, yeah. Other than the lava. Well, yeah, yeah, clearly. Yeah. As far as myself, I think my favorite area is probably the opening sequence. It's, I guess, not an area, but it's just like the opening atmosphere you get of just you're there by yourself. Everything seems quiet. And I think that's sort of like in my mind why I thought like this is not a horror game in a way, but just a weird, lonely you against the world and when you first go there you're like you know shit is going to break bad eventually and you're just waiting for it to happen and as you're going through you know you get the morph ball 
and the camera turns on and you're like, oh shit, what is going to happen now? I, I think that first half hour, hour of Super Metroid is just amazing as far as setting the mood goes. And then after that, like I enjoy some of the designs of the rest of the areas in the game, but nothing really ever matches that high. I think for me, as far as just like, Oh, this is all really cool and tense and creepy. And what the hell is going on here? As that like first, like like I said, first half hour hour that you're going through the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jason. I do. I think the quiet stuff in Metroid, are my favorite, my favorite moments. I like that part you're talking about when you land on the planet for the first time. When you when you rise out of the ship and with the rain falling down, it's like the the iconic Super Metroid shot. And then, like I said, the ghost ship went before you turn everything on. I liked um, wandering around that and wondering what happened there. And I even like the very very opening when you go to the space station to see mm-hmm. to, to check out what happened. I like that a lot. And then Ridley shows up, and then the self destruct sequence, which was cool. I kind of, even though they do it again at the end of the yeah. game. <laughs> they do that at the harder. end of every Metroid. <laughs> Yeah, so I'd say, yeah, I, I'm pretty much on the same page as you, Jason, in terms of, like, I like the quiet Metroid stuff as opposed to, like, just the shit tons of enemies that are, <laughs> yeah. that are uh, prog- prog- take progressively longer to kill <laughs> each time than you think they're going to because um, it's just, this, this. oh, this is the red one of these, and mm-hmm. they're tougher. On that note, Jason, do you have, like, a specific favorite moment in Super Metroid? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, uh, Vanessa, you can go ahead of me. Give me a minute to think about this oh, one. Yes. Vanessa, how about yourself? <laughs> I need a minute. Probably when I would kill any boss. Out <laughs> <laughs> of girl. The moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I was like real proud of myself or, you know, like anytime that I'm like, um, because I was playing with the, with the, with the, like the guy to be like, get in, like, you know, like get yourself up to that little crevice and like mm, okay so like trying to figure out like um those things or anytime i can grapple i really like grappling and swinging around i think that's really fun <laughs> so i don't have i guess specific moments but specific actions that i get to do were pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like grappling in concept but i was not i was just not good at it in this game i, I feel the same way <laughs> yeah but uh, so i was not a fan of the grappling but i i'm glad you liked it <laughs> i'm glad that was like one, one of my strengths was grappling <laughs> I didn't have many strengths. <laughs> I was really bad at it. <laughs> so I, I was really bad at a lot of the movement stuff in this game. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll go again, Jason, if you haven't figured it out. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I'll say, like I said earlier, the Crocomires fake out death is really fun. Is really fun. And even though all the platforming frustration, I would say that the first time I figured out how to spin, ju- how to spin jump across an entire room or how to space jump across an entire room was pretty satisfying once I finally right. figured out the, the timing <laughs> for it. It'd be really frustrating when you almost get there and then fuck it up. <laughs> but uh, uh, the mm-hmm. moments where you're, where you're just like zipping across the room, that's like my favorite stuff in these kind of games at the end is when you have all the abilities and you're just kind of flying through areas that took you a lot longer. Um, prior, it's always really satisfying. So yeah, I'd give it to those. Okay. Oh, and also seeing the the broken glass have to be Ridley where the Metroid was at is a, is a really nice touch too. For like saying what that these dumbass pirates really fucked up and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my favorite moment is probably going to boil down to. Boy, like I said, I, I that camera thing happening is, or the light or whatever it is, like the 
it's got to be a security camera of some sorts, but I think when the first Chozo statue attacks you, again, not a great boss fight, but I think that moment of like, oh shit, this thing was my friend, or the, the, the thing I can trust, and now it's attacking me, is just sort of like one of the bigger oh shit moments in the game for me, and I think that moment is sort of about where I feel like Metroid kind of, or Super Metroid just in my personal opinion, like it sort of peaks right there as far as building tension and everything goes. After that, it's sort of just a, a power creep sort of thing where you have to start like, okay, well, John, like you mentioned before, it's like, oh, here's just the red thing of this thing now. And now it's just literally like you start feeling less and less like your new abilities and your new powers feel like they're doing as much damage as they were because all of a sudden you've got these things that just couldn't keep absorbing and you just feel like, oh, I feel like I'm at the beginning of the game with just the single shot thing again. Cool. Yeah. And now then the gold ones don't want to take, you can only kill with the spin attack. Oh, and God, then there's the, know. and then there's the armored gold ones. We get we get to jump over and then shoot rockets at those yeah. are incredibly yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. It's yeah. I feel like they got a little, the enemies got a little more challenging than they, than they needed to at the end of the game, I guess. I was gonna, I guess that segue into like most frustrating moments for everyone. Um, but that, that that definitely ranks uh, missing those missing a little platform and falling into lava really high up there for me. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and then it just draining your health super fast if, and then just rewinding because that ability probably helped me get through this game. The uh-huh. most. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the rewinding is amazing. Once I um I got through the. I got to like the fire room maybe where the lava rises um, or no, it was something and I hadn't, you know, I just beat the gold Tozo statue and then I forgot about rewind and then I turned my game off in frustration after saying like continue. And then I was like, Oh no, I could have just rewound. Now I've got to go beat the Chozo statue. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Jason, anything in particular for you? Um, you know, I think it's the, whatever that power jump is basically, um, trying to get that down in some spots where you're trying to get like a, I think God, I forget what it is exactly, but it's just, I think it's right after you beat the Krakenmeyer maybe, but the, the, the dash jump. Is yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you like, and you just hit it by like a pixel and miss it. And just like, Oh, for fuck's sake. Like that is probably one of my least favorite things about it is just like, um, come on guys, seriously. Like we can't just, uh, you know, it's like, cut me a little bit of a break here. I do wish there are more places in the game to use the dash, like for extended yeah. periods of time. That's a, it's a really cool ability that does, I feel like gets a little underutilized. Maybe if I was better at the game, I'd be using it more often. The advanced movement in this game is, I feel like, is very tricky. Like yes. Jason said, yeah. So, which I guess it should be. It's advanced movement, but sometimes it feels unfair instead of just like challenging. I guess.
before uh, we get towards the end here, because uh, this is uh, a show with Jason Nariola on it, uh, mu- music thoughts, Jason. This is this is uh, qu- I think quite the soundtrack. I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of it, even though it's pretty subdued for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are your thoughts on it? I definitely agree with that. It's uh, one of those soundtracks that I don't feel is really great to listen to on its own, but it definitely sets the mood very well for the game. There's levels of uh, like change at, that are very good kind of going along with the different areas that you go into having the music sort of open up a little bit because I, if I'm remembering correctly when you first start it, it I don't think there's any music going and then once everything sort of activates and you're like oh boy okay so it's it, it's not it doesn't explode on you but all of a sudden you're just getting a little bit more music I feel the choices that uh, the composers kind of made as far as when to implement that is very well done, but uh, I don't, this isn't that early in the Super Nintendo's life, and I just feel like a lot of the music, it just, compositionally, it's very good, I just feel like some of the sound in it, the instrument choices, I could use a little bit cleaning up as far as me liking it goes a little bit more, I don't, I I feel weird ever talking shit about the Super Metroid soundtrack because people, like, adore it, and I feel like in the game itself it's very good, but when you really start listening to it, there's a lot of just like, oh, that's, this sounds like a video game soundtrack, where they're going for something a little bit more, you know, not necessarily horror-sounding, but they, mm-hmm. it just doesn't quite hit because whatever the Super Nintendo is capable of, it just seems to not be able to get this marked down as well as I feel it should. And like I said, that's always been one of those things of like soundtracks. I've always kind of kept my opinion to myself. Again, I like it compositionally. I think it can be rearranged a little bit better, but the soundtrack that is in the game itself, I feel again, it just sounds a little too video gamey at times. I can combine that. Vanessa, do you have any thoughts on the soundtrack? I'm pretty terrible about listening for soundtracks. Um, I mean, it, but... <laughs> that's totally fine, but like, it, if it catches your ear, though, that's always that's always probably a good yeah. a good sign. So I thought the sound matched well with like whatever the scenery was. Um, like you, I really enjoyed the ghost ship part, and I thought the sound was super appropriate then. And I thought like uh, uh, it was always nice to like return to the upper world and like hear like a little like I'm gonna call it, like a chugging along soundtrack. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I thought uh, I thought it was a uh, very well suited to whatever environment you were in. Yeah, I do think they nailed the. I think atmospherically, I, I would say they nailed it personally. Uh, also, I'm going to give it up to the uh, getting a new item jingle. Yes, you get it. You get it every time. <laughs> well, it's just a fan, just a fantastic sound. One of the probably my favorite favorite thing. I mean, uh, every time you get with something, is just that sound that plays when you get something. Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it makes you feel really good about yourself. Yeah, it does. Even if you just got five more missiles. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, like great. Now I have two hundred fifty-five instead of two hundred fifty. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. This will help. Yeah, these missiles that I use all the time definitely still. <laughs> Other than that, I guess we can get into Q and A before we record these. Uh, we'd like to put out a little um, request uh, on Twitter and Facebook for any questions, anecdotes, thoughts you have on game uh, the game we're talking about. We did get one from Anthony Villanueva on Facebook. Villanueva. Anthony Villanueva, sorry. And I speak Spanish too. Yeah. Villanueva. <laughs> uh, and uh, he asks, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, what is the cheapest 
easiest way to play Super Metroid, in your guys' opinion? Would you say? I would probably say if you have a Switch, this is probably the easiest way to play Super Metroid. Oh, for right, sure. Right, yeah. right, right now. If so. you do not have a Switch, the new 3DS is probably the cheapest way to do it. Yeah, it, it comes down to what do you have access to? I mean, you could, I mean, I'm sure it's easy to emulate also. If oh, you, yeah, if, that is incredibly easy to emulate. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not, I've never been much of an emulator. But I'm sure they, I'm, I just assume all Super Nintendo games are pre-emulated on your laptop already, so <laughs> or your computer already at this point in time. So I would say, honestly, if you're ha- if you're trying to play classic Super Nintendo games, and you should just and you should just get a Switch and get the SNES Online thing that they have, which is, or just get the online service and get access to all their classic games, pretty much that you'd probably want to play. Save for like RPGs. It's a little slide on right now. And then I guess there's just the, if you can get a Super Nintendo Classic, if you can, I guess you can try that yeah. too. So there's a lot. It, but yeah, these games from this era are, there's quite, there's an abundance of ways to, to get access to them. It just depends on what you already have access to. Yeah. So. If you want to go strictly handheld, you know, a new 3DS might be the cheaper way to go. If you want to be able to put it on the TV, a Wii U might be the way to go just for price. Um, because a Wii U can be had for like 120, $150 these days. And then it's like $8 on the Wii U virtual console. So that's, that's probably the technically like the cheapest two options outside of maybe getting a super Nintendo classic. But I feel like the, really the way to do it is just get a switch because having access to it and a ton of other games on the super nintendo or for the super nintendo and the nes for 20 dollars a year is a pretty good deal so yeah like you'll get your money's worth just playing one of the uh one of those classic games on there so it's you know it's just it's at the end of the day it's just whatever your preference is i guess there's a lot of options so yeah um I guess that re- that rewind function though so worth it. Yes. Yeah, it, it also has the rewind function, which I think is the Super Nintendo Classic has that as well, doesn't it? I think it does. I think I have one sitting right here under my <laughs> desk unopened. So <laughs> I've, I've only I got my parents one for Christmas one year. I don't remember if it. I think it. I'm pretty sure it does. I think it has save states in the rewind feature. I know it does so. have okay, save well, states. We'll but... Play with the rewind for sure, though. That's that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that'll help you with a lot of the more frustrating elements of old games. It's just being able to rewind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's much so. easier than just saves coming your way through. Yeah, it's uh, you probably feel a little better about yourself too. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> who, could, who could say? Um, so, uh, guys, uh, final thoughts, and would you recommend this game? So, I mean, uh, Jason, since you've played this the most out of all of us, what would you? Uh, would you recommend this game to players? Would you recommend it to anyone? Would you specific people? What would you, what you, what's your opinion on this? Overall, I think just this is a pretty accessible game for just about anyone. The action isn't ever really that crazy, and it's a fairly short game. Even if you don't know what you're doing, you can probably get through this game in 10, 12 hours at the absolute most. If you are following a walkthrough, Vanessa, what do you think? Like maybe like six, seven hours? I think it took me about seven hours, and I was playing like a pretty like i was following the walkthrough but playing pretty casually so i felt like i wasn't like rushing myself or anything and yeah i gave myself like a lot of like um yeah i didn't beat myself up but i'm like i can't do the wall jump <laughs> <Go around. laughs> yeah there's the the walkthrough i watched is a guy who's good at the game but not perfect and he got it done the clear time with a hundred percent 
was two and a half hours, basically. So it is pretty doable as far as that goes, if you know what you're doing. But again, you don't have to be an absolute master at this game, because I would I watched him get stuck on a bunch of spots that I got stuck on. I'm like, OK, so this guy is like me on a link to the past, you know? Like, yeah. he's good at it, but he's not like, oh, I can set a world record with this. It's just like, no, I just know this game very well. Uh, you know, maybe he's just my age and his uh, reflexes aren't what they uh, used to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I would I would definitely recommend this just about anybody. Uh, within the first hour, I feel you will get the gist of what Super Metroid is. And if you kind of not interested from there, that's a good checkout spot. The first hour will give you every indication of what Super Metroid is going to be. And from there, you can kind of piece out one way or the other. I do want to kind of throw something out there real quick, too. Just a little detail that I don't think gets really enough, let's say, fanfare. Is the lack of sprite mirroring on Samus when she flips directions it's always done correctly it's an amazing little detail that uh you know they couldn't even swing in a link to the past uh, so it's kind of one of those things that i'm like oh man this is this is a fine little detail that i'm glad they did and one of my favorite things as far as like little detail sprites goes is her breathing the closer you get to uh, being empty in your health tanks the harder she breathes and not really a thing they needed to throw in there because when you're that close to death, normally you're running around and trying to f desperately find some health before you, you know, blow up. I, it's just like, wow, they, they put that much detail into this game. And it just one of those things that I'm like, yeah, totally needs to be brought up. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you can tell the labor of love this game was. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I mean, it's aged this well for a reason, you know, <laughs> it's uh but yeah, I didn't even I did not notice those things. Uh, I've, I I was not paying the close attention to the sprite. I did notice like the, all the different animations the sprite has, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, the different stances that you have too, uh, which are which are cool. Um, and would, I wouldn't notice till I died and was frozen in a stance that I didn't really even realize I was in. So Vanessa, as your as your first time playing this, would you recommend it to other people? I absolutely would. I had a really really good time, and especially like a I'm not like you know I'm like a casual gamer probably when I like a like Viva Pinata, but um, I had a really good time with this game. And so I feel like most people would probably enjoy it, especially if they're willing to like, um, and that's what I like about the Switch so much too, is just being able to play it handheld. It's like, it's not a huge commitment. It, um, it sleeps really well. So I didn't have to like go through this huge effort to like start it each time. So I feel like, especially if you just want something you can pick up every so often, you know, you have to keep playing it, otherwise you will get lost. But if you, if you want something you can pick up every so often and like, you know, finish to completion, I think this one's a really good one. Yeah, I'd say like if this if gaming is a, a big hobby of yours, I feel like it's, it's one you should definitely go back and check out at least. It's because it's so I mean it's so important. It's it's up there with you know uh, Mario Mario World and Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo as as influential masterworks. It's uh, it has aged in some aspects, but it's still pretty playable. Still very cool, and it's just nice to see like the roots of other games that I've, that I've loved over time. I was going to say of 90% of every indie game ever made. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the roots of the Metroidvania genre. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> it's definitely one you can at least put on for a little bit it's in, and see what you think. So like Jason said, it's you, you get the gist of it pretty quick. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, Super Metroid. A good game we got to play, guys. That was that. <laughs> a, an enjoyable thing we got to do together. 
We don't get, we don't say that too often. No, you know? we don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts from anyone? I'm just sad I don't get to play it again as a new game. <laughs> uh, I've got some other games to recommend to you if you <laughs> if you want some. Uh, but Jason, anything? No, I'm pretty tapped out. I, I guess I should have saved my sprite thing for that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, and I guess in that case, if you really love what you heard today and just want to hear even more of us, uh, we have multiple podcasts that we are uh, a part of in different in differing degrees. All three of us are on a podcast called Multimedia Failure, a podcast where we uh, watch and rank every video game movie ever made arbitrarily. And it's a it's a great time every time. Trust me, we are not just dragging along at a wit's end. It's we're all really happy. Uh, we got <laughs> Jason uh, has his music, his video game music podcast, Rock Out with Your Card Out, which is always a really good and educational listen. Uh, you can really tell how much uh, these the sound video game soundtracks mean to uh, my uh, friend and the editor editor in chief of this website, Jason Ariola. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just because nobody else wants to do it. Yeah, and then uh, we are doing these game clubs once a month, so you can look forward to those, uh, or at least trying to do them once a month. And if you really love these, you can donate at our Patreon. At Games and Junk is our Patreon. Yes. It, uh, yes. At Games and Junk is the Patreon. Uh, I mean, for five five bucks a month, uh, you get all the odd podcasts and higher quality audio. Or is it three dollars a month? Three dollars a month. Three dollars a month now. Even more higher, affordable, John. Even even more affordable to all our listeners out there. And at the higher tiers, if you uh, if you donate, you can even pick what games we play on this, or even appear on one of our podcasts with us. A lot of uh, amazing features if you just uh, donate uh, monthly, and we really appreciate it. But we also just really appreciate that you listen to us. Uh, you can follow the site at Games and Junk on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow myself at John Lucero seven seven seven, Jason at Jason Ariola, Vanessa at Vicarious Rock. And is there anything I'm forgetting, Jason? Oh, our listeners, our, we do uh, do shout-outs for people that donate to us. Uh, Jason, would you like to do the shout-outs? <laughs> yes, absolutely, because it would probably be weird to say uh, yourself in that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do want to shout-out to Alex Bessinger, Josh Carpenter, and you two for doing this uh, for me, because that uh, helps me continue doing the, all of these podcasts, because... They're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun. It's just, boy, oh boy, we, it is astounding to me that we have four active podcasts on this site now. It just boggles my mind sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're a good time to do, and I hope a good time to listen to. That's the important thing. Just yes, continue to listen, is... please. At least let me, uh, at least, at least give me that vindication that I'm not just talking into a void. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes, but you know, we still have a good time doing it. So that's going to do it. Uh, I guess uh, let's end this nightmare. Goodbye, everyone.